from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. It's me, Mario. A new horrible menace threatened the galaxy. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this right now. This is the Kugali Podcast, where we talk about games, animation, comic books, sci-fi, TV shows, and all of that good geeky stuff from Africa and the diaspora. I am Tolu, one of your hosts, and I'm joined with my co-host, Ziki Nelson. Hello, hello, everyone. And today we also have a guest on the podcast, like we tend to do a lot, Mr. Bill Masuku. <sighs> it's Bill! <laughs> hey, what's up? Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Bill, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, Kugali. Hey, what's up? Hello again. Uh, I am Bill Masuku. I'm the author of uh, Razor Man and a couple of other comics that you can find. Uh, from Zimbabwe. Uh, I started my comic book journey officially last year, April. Um, and fun trivia fact, the launch date for Razor Man 1 is also his uh, fictional birthday, uh, April 23rd. Um, I like pizza and I hate waking up in the mornings. I hope that's good enough <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, that sounds perfect. So, Bill, why don't you tell our listeners what we're going to be talking about today? Uh, today we're going to talk about um, the Al Jazeera um, uh, interview that happened between the, the four comic book um, yeah. uh, professionals in Africa. Then next we're going to talk about the gaming expo that's going to happen in Lagos. So we're super excited about that. And then we're going to get into our comic of the week, Visionary number one. It's going to be Litmus Prime. And then we're going to wrap it up with our favorite um, sci-fi movie, in Africa, but the limitation is we don't want to talk about civil war. So let's begin with the postmortem on the live stream on Al Jazeera. But let's let, let's just slow down so our listeners don't get confused. So what happened is Al Jazeera had the, um, one person from Nigeria, one person from Zimbabwe, and one person from South Africa call into the show on Skype, and then they had Paul, who is a, an American. Who creates African comics? They had Paul in their studio physically. So the four of them were having a discussion with the Al Jazeera host. I think the entire stream was about half an hour. Now, they were talking about the state of African comics and such things. So at a point, Jide was asked what he would want the world to take away from his comics like what do they want what does he want people to know about africa and he goes i want people to know africans are smart we're not mediocre we're enterprising and he went on like that and then he said many times when western creators create african characters they always have animal powers so you think there's black panther there's vixen like it's always almost always there's the falcon almost always tied to Af- animals and he's like why why do african heroes always have to be animal themed he was like you know we have iron we can make armor 
he actually held up the cover. He actually held. He actually held up the um, visionary, visionary issue one. He actually held that comic up into the screen, and you see the armor that Shango is wearing on the cover, and it's like. We obviously learned how to make iron. That you find iron, you find the natural deposits everywhere in the world, pretty much almost everywhere in the world. And I think that that part was the highlight for me in the entire show. Um, this is a really funny moment just on the animal thing. It's when Paul said, like he was talking about his uh, stories, and then he said, "I really like monkeys." And like in all my group chats, he's like, they're like, he sent us back ten years the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true that there is massive animal themes in, in this comic. But what I found really cool as well is that maybe like it, it was just so great to see the fact that we had such a diverse representation in there. You know, someone from Zimbabwe, someone from South Africa, someone from Nigeria, someone who lived in Burkina Faso, who's American, Car- Caribbean. And all of this journeys kind of started independently. So it seems like there's this, like some greater zeitgeist. Did, did you guys think it's maybe as a result of the growing comic book movement, or just we're just looking for ways to tell our story? Bill, I think you should go first. Why did you? I mean, you independently started making comics. Why? Um. Ooh, um. I started making comics. Um. Obviously, like the like everyone everyone's story from Africa is that when you look at these big blockbuster movies, there's just not enough representation. Uh, bottom line. But on top of that, when there are black people in there, they are skewed to like one personality, or they're the comedic relief. Um, like as much as I love Falcon as a character, when I'm watching Civil War, every line of his is a joke. Every single line of it, and I felt like there's there's a personal diversity. Like even though I make comics, I'm I'm a funny guy on the side. I, I used to play sports. Like there's all these other aspects that are aren't being explored because the narratives are in other people's hands. So my entire goal was when I write my story, I want to make wholesome a wholesome world, wholesome people, and when I say diverse, I don't just mean like flood the entire page with black people because that's you're, it's still not diverse. I mean, if you, I mean, it depends on your country, obviously. But where I went to school, there were black kids, there was Indian kids, there was white kids, there was colored kids or mixed race, wherever you're from. And it was that interaction that between those races that gave me my my racial identity. And to be able to put that on paper was just super important for me because no one else was doing it. And I guess everyone else had a similar calling. I mean, everyone's story is different. And that's, that's pretty much uh, my African journey. And I would like to see this in comic books. I'd like to see this in film. And I'd like to see this especially in gaming. Like, in the gaming world, there's very few black protagonists who aren't problematic. And I feel like, um, what what just happened? The gaming thing in, in, in Lagos. Let's talk about that. So the West Africans Games Expo was was pretty neat. No, that's a lie. I promise to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It was decent. The 
organizer, Mr. Adedoni, he's really pulling out like all the stops, he's doing his best. I think the problem is the Nigerian game industry hasn't really become a thing yet. So you look at something like Lagos Comic Con, we have Epoch, we have Vortex, we have Comic Republic, we have Spoof, we have Peter. We have some, and these guys have more than one comic. They have like they have stuff that people actually know about, and buy, and yes, and buy, and people love some of those titles. Then you look at the Nigerian game industry. You have me, you have some other guys, and none of us has done anything that great yet. And that's partly because games are more expensive than. I mean, making a game is more expensive than making a comic. <clears throat> and overall, I think that the best thing I can say about the, this expo so far, the, the most important thing to me was the kids section. Now, there were kids there, 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 was, there were kids there who had built games and had to pitch their game to a panel of judges and when i say pitch the game they don't just come and say oh this is my game idea they actually show a demo of their game working and some of these kids their game is already on the play store so i was really impressed all these kids are in high school or what, what we call secondary school in nigeria and they're already making games I'm really happy for them. I'm happy that the industry has gotten to the point where they're trying to train the next generation early because people like me, we started learning to make these things after we left secondary school. We started training ourselves. But these kids, some of them are starting as early as 10, 11, and some already have two or three years development experience. And... To me, that is the single best thing Wage is doing right now. Also, there was the, apart from the kids pitching their games, there was the hackathon, which was, it started on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, hackathon, Friday, the main wage. So on... Can I ask a question? Yeah. So I, I hear the term hackathon a lot, especially at game development and, you know, these sort of geeky yeah. nerd events. What does hackathon actually mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly what I was about to say. So, what a hackathon is, is you get a group of guys together and ask them to build something within a very short time limit. I participated in the hackathon. I teamed up with Deji from Twin Crown Studios. He's the guy that made Keke on the Run 2, which we've also talked about on this podcast before. We had to build a game within that time because the judges were going to look at the game on Friday. So you have like from Wednesday morning to like maybe Friday afternoon to build a game from start to finish. And um, my team won. So yay me. <laughs> and now you know why I call this man the video game wizard. But that, that's really cool. The, the event sounded really fascinating. I mean, it's not quite E3, which is the world's largest gaming event. But this sounded like a lot of fun, at least, which is the most important thing. I mean, as long as people are having fun. And I think it showed us a glimpse as to what the future holds. So let's watch this space. But in the interest of time, I'm going to urge us on to our next section, which is our comic of the week. This week or today, we are talking about Visionary, an ongoing comic book series from the Comic Republic in Nigeria. And this is a fantasy series inspired by Yoruba 
mythology, the Yoruba group of people from West Africa. And we have these beings known as Orishas who, are, who represent the different aspects of God. So you have like the Orisha of lightning, thunder, war, etc., etc. And the story follows a blood feud between two Orishas, Oshosi, the Orisha of the forest, and Shango, the Orisha of thunder and lightning. And this blood feud has been going on for millennia, as far as I can tell, all the way up until the present day. And that's all I'm going to reveal about the story for now. But guys, I'm going to stop talking and I want you two to give us your elevator pitch for Visionary. Okay, Visionary issue one. Art, extremely awesome. Really, really awesome. Plot, I'm not quite sure where it's going yet, like you said earlier. But that's because the creator, he's one of those people who writes um, in a cryptic way because he, he doesn't want to reveal all of the plots too early. And he doesn't want to take his reader's intelligence for granted. We had him on our podcast in episode 54, which is the first episode of this season of the podcast. Mr. Toba Kalejaye. And if you listen to him talk, you know how deep he can be. So, Visionary Issue 1, I didn't quite understand everything that was going on. It leaves a lot of questions but you can see like there's a lot of potential and it's one of those things that probably would take another four or five issues before you actually start to see the plot crystallize and have an idea what's really happening i have the physical copy i bought it at the ghost comic con i gave it to two guys at separate times they both thought it was nice one of them was like he he went in with no expectations he didn't expect to enjoy it as much as he did and he loves the yoruba and Igbo um parts because the entire comic has has local languages in it with english um subtitles so that's what i think okay um no, I'm glad you ended on that note about the 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 translation on the page, and um, uh, Ziggy, when when like we spoke before the this this podcast, it was about uh, strip panel naked, and that's pretty much how I approach any comic book now, um, and like I'm just I'm just looking at it aesthetically, and like some of the lettering just threw me off. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. I just I personally didn't like it, um, and it was just a weird flow. But a really good point that I liked, I think, it was the opening page. Uh, it was the first time of the opening page. The little three 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 words hooked me, because I, I wasn't gonna read it initially. I was just checking it out for the for the art, and it said time not applicable, and I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> what you mean, son? And it was just like it, it, it had that feeling that you're not dealing with um, humans, you're not dealing with um, uh, creatures that are bound by regular convention. I like that. I really did like that. Um, my my next issue is that, uh, that like there was this fight that went on, like the the gods that went to Earth and they started fighting the army. Um, it's just it's just like. A, a pretty overdone trope that like gods can take on humans. I'm, I'm curious, um, Bill. Did you read issue zero? No, I didn't read issue zero. I just read issue one. You have you um, have you have to read issue zero if only to see the special effects and the fight scenes. I don't want to see special effects and fight scenes. Like anyone can draw. I want to see a good African writer. 
<laughs> Fair enough. But I mean, I really think so, like those are some of the best. Uh, well, no, let me let me not let me not say too much. Let me not say too much. Relating that to in terms of writing and relating that to issue zero, emotional arcs are are, are pretty pretty good. Uh, in terms of like you can actually feel the the pain of the the main character in that particular issue. You can feel the vindictiveness of of the villain, and maybe you get an understanding of why he's doing what he's doing. So I would say that it's you know the, the writing in issue zero is is pretty good as well. Okay, I will read issue zero after this. This is completely blind. I went in issue one only. And actually, that, that's actually another good point. Sorry, I, I can't seem to shut up today. Is that I think also another uh, issue struck issue with issue one is that you won't really appreciate issue one as well if you don't read issue zero, which is not really like what you know sort of normally you would expect because you read issue one and so much is happening, but issue zero gives you an idea of like what the, the story is about. So I feel like if a reader goes into issue one straight away. Then they're just like, what? What the hell is happening? Like, there's this war. There's this. There's what this the thing. hell, bro? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, that's a pretty good point. It should have just been issue two, so I would have known to read issue zero. Usually, issue zero is just like you know something extra, um, at least historically speaking. I don't know. I'll read issue zero, guys. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's where all of my complaints are coming from because I know nothing. I'm Jon Snow right now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I, I still think people should read it, if only for the the visuals. That would be my uh, my elevator pitch. And and like like you said, so it's one of those stories that it might take four or five issues for you to get where the story is at. The only problem I have with that is that if this was a monthly comic, then I could live with waiting till issue five to get what the story is about. But if I'm getting a new issue every year, like by the time I'm reading issue two next year, I've already sort of forgotten what happened in issue forgotten one. Forgotten so, completely. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, what, what I would say uh, to, to Toba is that, like, give, give us more visionary. If you can give it to us more regularly, then it would be just so much of a better experience. Because I do think that the story has a, a lot of potential. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just end it there. Okay, so for our weekly debate, we're going to try something a little bit different. Instead of me going head-to-head with, with someone else and arguing the merits of something else, we're each going to do our favorite African film and say why. And then you, the listener, can tell us which one you, you sold on the most. The only caveat, and when I say African film, I, film, I mean also film set in Africa. Now, the only caveat is that the film can't be, the central plot of the film can't be related to corrupt government. It can't be related to civil war. And it can't be related to genocide. So, <laughs> with, those, with those three constraints, because Bill was talking about tropes earlier, and I think that, you know, there's no shortage of films set in Africa. The problem is most of them usually relate to those three things. So that's a part of the reality of Africa's history and, and its, and its uh, present life, but that's not all there, there is. Sorry, um, just to make it clearer, because when we say, like, a lot of Nollywood films and um, what Ghanaian films, are they called Gollywood? Kuma, Kuma. Oh, Kuma would, yeah. I was, I knew there was something wrong with that. Yeah, but many of those films are really just roman- romantic stories. So um, I think what we're talking about now is mainly um, international films. Well, not really international films because most of those films suck. So, I mean, like, if I'm going to say my favorite film set in Africa, I'm not going to pick... I, I will take Beast of No Nations over any Nollywood film. And, and so that's what I mean. It's like, wait, once we're having the conversation of best films set in Africa, 
I don't really think anything in Nollywood or, or Kumu will come into that conversation in the first place. And and just so you guys know, the, the, the debate has already started. So, Ziki, I, I suppose you just picked. <laughs> oh my God. Ziki, I, I suppose you just picked um, Beasts of No Nations as your favorite. Oh, no, 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 no. Remember, Beasts of No Nations violates all of the rules. I, I was just making a point. Um, my, my, my nomination would be, if I wanted to cheat, I, I would say the... The, the Prince of Egypt is, is my favorite film set in <laughs> Because, I mean, it, it, is, it ticks all the boxes. But since Prince of Egypt is a mainstream film, I, I will change my answer to Kirikou and the Sorceress, which is a French film set in Africa. And what I like is that they, are so, they stay so true to, to the culture. I, I see with a lot of African stories, particularly in the comics, they take sort of the Western storytelling model and then they try and sort of shoehorn it into our our own context. Whereas Kirikou is the complete opposite. The story is like inspired by folk tales that you that you read from from African storytelling, and and so it's just it's 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 a completely different style of, of storytelling that we're not used to. I mean, the, the the story follows an infant, an infant who who was a fetus. He was a sentient fetus who decided the day he was going to be born, jumped out of his mother's womb, and decided to go on a flurry of <laughs> adventures, which is so hilarious and absurd. I love it. But yes, that would be my favorite film set in Africa that is not about civil war or strife or poverty or any of those uh, tropes that we often see. The, the, the baby slash fetus talking to the mother, and that's, uh, I've seen a lot of plays, so that's like absurdism. Like, it's so wild that you're just like, oh, okay, this we're doing this? Cool. <laughs> we want to see where yeah. this goes. So yeah, I mean, I'm what's putting what's, it on yeah, my things like, to watch. Yeah, I mean, no, no spoilers, but the baby just randomly develops, like, superpowers. You know, like, in, in, American, in American or other shows, there's always a reason why he gets superpowers. He's bit by a radioactive spider or he's from an alien. Like, he just has superpowers because, like, that's what he that's has to say. No, no, like, like, the baby literally just comes out of the womb by himself and he's already walking and talking. And like he's braver than everybody. Already paying taxes. Already got kids to feed. <laughs> yes. He's literally this like kid he's, has he's, a hard he's, life. He's a newborn fetus, and he's the most competent person in his village. Like they'd all die if he <laughs> <wasn't> wrong. <laughs> that, oh my god! Now you make me feel like watching it again. Same <laughs> here. All right, cool. So Bill? I think we've we've done a good job of selling Kiriko. Bill, do you want to go next? So it's a tie between. Uh, both South African films. It's a tie between uh, District 9 and Tsotsi, which is like a drama. Uh, District 9 is like a alien invasion film that doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. Like, it's, 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 it's very South African in its, um, in its vibe, in its nature. Uh, um, and I just, I really like that, that it wasn't like a earth earth-threatening alien invasion like every other american alien invasion um they just came to chill and, and the aliens chose to come to africa for a change <laughs> for a change for a change right it's like they miss out because miss us because there's like a giant blackout for all the power cuts so they're like ah, let's go to the way the light is let's go to trump no b um my I, and the other, other film that i, I really love was uh Totti. so for this uh, uh, podcast. I'm gonna go with Sotsi because you can easily just like watch District Nine on your own times, guys. 
or you can listen to the Patreon extra episodes. We're going to talk about that later. Um, so for Totsi, um, it was this this guy. Uh, Totsi means thief, thief. And it's this guy who steals a car, if I remember correctly. And then he gets home to his uh, township. And he lives in a shack. And then he hears crying. And the car he stole has a baby. And now it's like, I can't take the baby back because I stole the car. But also, like, I'm, I'm, I'm humane enough that I'm not going to throw away the baby. So, like, the entire film is how these two characters interact. This very innocent, um, reflective individual with this guy who's already been corrupted by society. And it's like, how, how does, like, a criminal raise a child, uh, a child that isn't his or theirs? And just the, the, the character dynamic between them is just so symbiotic. And I don't want to spoil the ending, but man, I cried. No lie, bitch tears. I cried. <laughs> I cried. Okay, okay, that that uh, does sound I, interesting. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard about this film before, but I haven't had a chance to to, to check it out. But it sounds <laughs> really, really cool. I like I like the plot, but um, I've mm-hmm. seen District Nine as well, and a lot of people don't like that film because of how they portray Nigerians. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't like how they portray Nigerians in the film. But that being said, like I'd be lying if I didn't say it was, you know, it was a good film. Uh, so that 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 would just be my own sort of like points uh, of that film. Is I, I agree with you. Like District Nine is a great like sci-fi film. I just wish they they were a bit kinder on my people. <laughs> okay. Okay. My cool. turn. So, <clears throat> I feel like yes. I know what you're gonna say, but uh, but anyways, I, I I wouldn't predict you. Go for it. No, what surprised me? What, what do you suspect? I'll say. I, I was gonna say I, I felt like you'd pro- probably say Queen of Catway with uh, Lupita. Okay, so let me start by saying, I there's I have a list of movies I want to see that I haven't seen yet because there's this thing my friend calls New Nollywood, which is the part of Nollywood where they're actually producing. Well, where they're actually outputting well-produced movies with good plots, good um, with high production values. Yes, that's what I was looking for. So, those new Nollywood movies, many of them were featured at about seven of them were featured at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2016, and I want to see I want to see at least four or five of them. I suspect that by the time I see all of those, my favorite African movie would be from that list. But for now that I haven't seen them, I'll have to go with Queen of Katwe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Queen of Katwe is one of the most emotionally evoking movies I've ever seen. And it is. It was so legitimately African. I was surprised. What the reason I was surprised? It's a Disney movie. I didn't think Disney was going to do their homework properly and get everything properly. It's based on a real life, on a true story of a girl who went from the slums to having a better life just through playing chess. It's set in Uganda, and the story. The characters and the Ugandan vernacular they were using, all of that was just very, very mind-blowing. Yeah, and we've actually spoken about this film uh, quite a few times before, so we'll try and see if we can find the previous uh, shows and, and link to that. But um, I actually still haven't had a chance to, to see it yet. Shame on me. 
But what I was going to say is that, again, it highlights Bill's points. Like, when people think of chess prodigies, we, we think of Russians, maybe Bobby Fischer, so Americans as well. So, mm -hmm. A, I mean, this is a, a true story, but B is like, you know, an African girl who likes playing chess. That's, that's just something that would be so counterintuitive to most people. So that's another really, really cool dynamic of, of this film as well. Bill, have you seen the film? No, I have not, but I'm going to now. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped. All right. Yeah. Ziki, do me a solid and fit in the theme song of the of the movie right here. <laughs> because I felt... the second time you're doing this. Yeah, I know. I've, I've sung, I, I sang it on the pod the last time. I don't want to sing it this time. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't know. Well, I will have to see if we can get the royalties to play, play the music. But I actually think you should sing it again, man. In fact, here's what we should do. We should have, if, if we get five new Patreons or patrons this week on our Patreon page, for people who don't know, Patreon is just a way for you to support the, the podcast by subscribing and buying us a cup of coffee each month or something along those lines. So for as little as $5 a month, you can subscribe. You get loads of perks like our digital comic book magazine and exclusive clips of this podcast, but I digress. If we get five new patrons this week on our Patreon page, then Tolu is going to sing the Queen of Catway theme song for you. I, I think this is, this is it here. <laughs> and speaking of Patreon, Bill, you have something you want to bring to the table as well. Okay, uh, so I'm going to do a page-to-page -page breakdown of the comic of the week uh, this week. So visionary number one. I am going to read visionary number zero and catch up my notes but if you do want that please do join the Kugali Patreon please and thank you and if you're listening and you're still wondering what is this Patreon they speak of it just, it's a way for you to support what we do by making monthly donations you can make a donation as low as a dollar a month or you can go as high as you want and buy the whole company <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah We're it's also the easiest way to get a subscription to the kugali magazine so for just five dollars a month you get the kugali magazine digitally and with ten dollars a month you get the physical book and we have other rewards apart from the magazine so go to patreon.com patreon is p-a-t-r-e-o-n go to patreon.com forward slash kugali media and you can check it out, see all the rewards we have there, and pick a pick a, a tier that's okay for you. All right. So, Bill, why don't you tell people where they can say hi to you? And don't give out your real address because this is not Tinder. <laughs> I mean, Tinder barely works in Zoom. Like, just, just FYI. works so much better in Kenya. Anyway, so uh, you can catch me on uh, Twitter. Um, at the booting on, that's at T H E B double O T I N G O A N. Um, and then on Instagram, um, at Bill Masuku Art, B I L L M A S U K E. And you pretty much get um, first looks at all of the Razorman comics and pretty much anything that's happening on the Zim comic book front and Southern African comic book front. Yeah, balling. All right, so stories shape our society, so let's shape our stories. <laughs>